Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of the Sausage Factory. Yes, that's right, number 50. I know, shocking. Which is brought to you by Spong.com for the 50th time and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan, again for the 50th time. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about the start industry, what their influences are and who inspires them for the 50th time. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the game developer themselves and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote which in this case is Trash TV by Laurie Games Limited. Laurie! Hey. Hey. Who are you, sir? And what do you uh, do? I make games. Um, you make games? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been doing that then? When did you start doing that? So I think it's about three and a half years ago I dropped out of university um, and that's uh, when I started, pretty much. Or I started slightly while at university. What were you reading? Uh, reading? University, what were you studying? Oh, right. Um, yeah. I was studying game development. Oh, you were? Um, okay. Yeah, although, I don't know, they didn't really teach anything, so that, that's why I left. You just, oh, um, what, where was it? Do you want to name it, or would you rather not? Uh, no, no, I think it's right to name and shame it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was studying at Southampton Solent University. Okay. Yeah, and um, I don't know, I remember like in the third year we were doing uh, a lesson on sphere-to-sphere collision and I don't know, to not be too technical about it, it's just, it's GCSE maths. It's nothing amazing. Um, and it's incredibly basic and I don't know, when we got to that lesson I just thought, I'm wasting my money, I'm wasting my time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I dropped out straight away. Wow. So enough yeah. is good. So, and you've already done three years, so you're probably on your final year, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Okay. Um, but uh, you just couldn't see the point in it when you realised you were doing GCSE maths. Like, how is this helping? Yeah. Um, I had, I think, 1000 left in fees to pay, so dropping out saved me, like, a grand. Okay. And I don't know, at the time I thought, it's um, it's probably not worth one grand, let alone, like, all the rest I've already spent. So, you know, I thought I'd get out mildly while I was ahead um, so I just want to get how early did you really start making games I love asking this question because it's oh. everyone says oh yeah I, I, you understand you just done you said I dropped out of university and started making games actually no you must have been started earlier than that what was your first yeah, dab um, think? so I think when I was about six or seven uh, okay. my my dad, uh, me and him made some games together in Quick Basic uh, on our old DOS computer before I had a mouse or anything like that. Um, and then I didn't really make anything up until maybe kind of 15. I started kind of dabbling, self-teaching in uh, Flash. Um, so, yeah, I guess I did do a good bit of groundwork before I went to university. Okay. That's good. And what was that in? You said it was in Flash, and then we yeah, okay. uh, and then when we went to uni, uh, we did a tiny bit of C plus plus. We only had like two hours a week or something. So, uh, very, sorry, very two little. hours a week on C plus plus. You making games? That's a big <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a skeletal timetable. Yeah, I would have thought it would have focused on that as well as you know actual mechanics. Oh. Interesting. What an interesting course that was. But you stuck out for three years, so that, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So, is Trash TV your first title then? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. And I remember seeing it, it must have been two years ago, 
don't know. When was it? Because I first saw it at Eurogamer. It was a Eurogamer or Res. I'm not sure which. Oh, those um, two shows blur for me. It was definitely I, in the long, long corridor, and I was like, "Hang on, that monitor's busted." Oh no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went to the the first and second Res. Actually, I think I'm the only person to be invited twice in a row. I'm not sure now, but um. Oh, you won in yeah, Brighton. So, it was in Brighton the first time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was at the very first one and uh, invited back to the second as well, which was nice. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's been a quite a long haul. Although I have done a, a little bit of contract work in between to you know get some more funds and stuff. So Absolutely, yeah. You've got to pay the bills to fix the boiler. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, conversation we had prior to the show. Um, how did? Sorry, what are your influences then, apart from broken television? Um, uh, I don't know. This is kind of odd, actually. So, yeah, I don't know. At the point when I dropped out of uni, um, I dropped loads of GCSEs in school as well. I dropped loads of uh, things at college, um, and I just felt that like I perpetually just quit everything up until that point. Um, and at the time, I was remaking Super Crate Box um, for no real reason. I just wanted to like uh, see what it was like to kind of copy a game. I was just doing it as like a learning project. Okay. And I don't know, I just couldn't bear the idea of quitting like another project, especially after I just dropped out of uni. So um so I finished that and I completely remade Super Crate Box. And then I started adding my own guns into it and my own levels. Right. And then started adding my own characters and art assets and things like that. And then uh I don't know, at some point I started trying to deliberately make levels that were based on other games. So, uh, you, in the game, you see, like, the lighting effects and stuff like that. I tried to make a level that was like Limbo, so I made the lighting system to, to fit that. Um, and then you um, see... We're talking about your own personal drivers, not the influences in... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> I think yeah, I kind of... It's my fault, because I don't do that. I, I jump onto aspects of, of games and what you started out making... Trash TV, and when I first saw it, uh, knowing that's your first title. But what's what are the things that influenced you, genuinely as a creator? What is the things that influence you? Do you think, apart from the um, universe itself, which is <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I had this uh, the saying that uh, rock inspired rock is Nickelback, and and that no one likes Nickelback. No. Um, and <laughs> I don't know, since I heard that, I kind of got worried that, like, uh, that as a designer, if I only played games, then if, an, if I only made games that were inspired by games, then maybe it would be, I'd be the nickelback of the games industry, which, um, I don't know, they're successful, but I mean, they're not good. Um, oh, so um, there's actually a man, this is absolutely true right now. Who's actually, no, yes, this weekend, he's going to listen to nickelback for five days. And that's the only thing he's going to listen to. For <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't heard of that. <laughs> doing it for charity, everyone. But I'm thinking you're going beyond the call of duty. You know, they, yeah. some people do like charitable stunts, and their charities go, "I'd rather you didn't do that." And I appreciate the <laughs> Please don't do that. You're going too far. He's going too far. <laughs> so anyway, so you're right. It's it's a, if you don't look outside your own medium. Yeah, you are doomed to eat eat itself. It was doomed to eat itself, 
and it has been. It has been cannibalistic in many for, for decades. But thankfully, there's been recent changes in the last five years. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that. That it's started. It's broken out from that mold. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Tentatively, it's breaking Tentatively. out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think. I don't know, after hearing that, I started um, I started listening to audiobooks, actually, a lot. So every time I'm at like, the supermarket or uh, on the train or just before I fall asleep and stuff. Um, yeah, and I got through, I think I'm on like the 27th book out of the top 100 sci-fi at the moment. Okay. Um, so so that's did the... that include, like, is it classic or is it just... Is it um, just um... It's quite a broad range from, I'd say, kind of 1940s to uh, fairly present day, um, the collection so, that I'm listening to at the moment. June? Yes. Okay. So you did June then? Yeah, yeah. That took oh. quite a while. Yeah, that <clears> did. <throat> yeah, I'd read you know, just James Herbert ones, not the ones written by his son, who really should stop. Um, he's just doing a terrible job of things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I've read all the June books and the Asimov books as well foundation series and stuff like that and um there's also hinden does some really good stuff number of the beast that was bonkers that, that i've not had that yeah, one yet that one's bonkers and the neuromancer of course william gibson oh, oh yeah that's, that's fantastic <laughs> really good book. so yes absolutely just reading um just delving into i mean one of the great things about reading and delving into novels is that you can paint the pictures in your head just with these words. And there was a time centuries ago where people, you know, people used to read out loud because that's the way it was. That's why they, and then someone started saying, no, I can read in my head. And they thought he was possessed because he's just staring at the page. You think about it, just staring and then occasionally turning it over. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm reading. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and uh, but, you know, I do love getting lost in those realms and those worlds and I haven't actually done the audio book thing I'm, I'm not being like oh you know oh that's beneath me not not that uh, just, I think it's just the podcasts and things and also reading well, but I don't know I don't know well also, I'm uh, dyslexic so for me it's yeah. quicker to listen to an audio book than to read it yeah otherwise you um, I can understand that it's uh yeah, if it's such a struggle, then it's for when dyslexic. I understand. Yeah. Um, okay. So, anything else that you think? Do you think that's fed into creation of trash TV in some way? That that broadening of your your sort of experience in in medium. Um, I think it'd be difficult to point to any one aspect in it and say, you know, like, oh, that came from like Hyperion or or uh, Neuromancer or something like that. Um, but I don't know. It's got to, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, because there's a different... I feel there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a theme to it, a flavour to it. I'll talk about that more in the second half of the show, but it's definitely something there that we'll talk about later. But uh, now you said you're reading a lot of sci-fi, that answers a lot of my question. Might, <laughs> might even answer that particular question, but uh, who knows? That's yeah, really good. Yeah. So basically, you're saying look beyond your screen, everyone, and you'll get yeah. a job. I also uh, I quite like learning anything that's um, very kind of system oriented. I like uh, I read a lot about economics, um, which I find quite interesting. Or 
I don't know, like World War Two stuff. I like anything that kind of gives you um, where you can kind of build up a really good mental model of how something works. It's an um, extraordinarily well studied piece of history. That yeah, that yeah. Whole, the lead up to it and the aftermath and during it, the whole thing. Like, how did that happen? We could. I mean, the, the fascinating is that. The things we could have done that prevented it in the first place. <laughs> That's what drives me crazy. Like, how did it get so far? But, you know, we, yeah, yeah. And history repeating itself and that sort of thing. And, uh, but not, not, then they go, what, really? Repeating itself? Well, yeah, it kind of did, but on a much grander scale. Uh, but anyway, appeasement. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. So, who do you most admire in the industry then? Oh, um, I know this is a difficult question to answer. It can be a company, it can be you know a person. I'm going to say uh, Ricky Haggett. I don't know if you know. He did uh, Hohokam. Um, oh yes, I've met him a couple of times. Um, yeah, yeah. Did they do um, for the Vita? Um, Frobisher says. Frobisher says. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see. Um, I love so, it. It's one of my favourite Vita games. It sounds bizarre because it is so ridiculously stupid. <laughs> but he's so abusive. He's just like, oh, rubbish. Like, yep. Yes, I am. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, I did some of the code on that. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah, Ricky, he's one of the original organisers of uh, London Indies, which is just where every month loads of developers meet up in a pub in London. But um, So is I started going there. Bar? Is it no, no, it's an angel. Um, oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I was taking Trash TV to that and showing it off to people, but um, I don't know, Ricky saw it, and he gave me uh, a job at Honeyslug for, I think, about six months it was, so I worked there, um, on the DLC to Fubish Descents. So oh, I have yeah. huge respects for him really being a, a big star in my career and giving me my first break. Oh, kudos that's really good yeah, stuff yeah. I mean, it's, he's a cool guy that. as well yeah you need, <clears> he's <throat> a lovely man and um, I remember telling him when I saw Frobish he says oh this is like WTF <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game um, made by a Japanese developer which is similar it's this ridiculous nonsense collection of games like, oh yeah it's like that what <laughs> <laughs> and he, was, he was so mortified like it's done before. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Not as funny as this, but it's been done before. Yeah, yeah I always described it as uh, like Marioware on acid. It's kind of how I thought of it. Yes. Yeah. And he's yeah. nasty, nasty. Yeah. <laughs> nasty. But it made me laugh in the fact that he was just so abusive. Um, <laughs> and I also used the Vita properly as well, to the full extent. As most yeah, yeah. To use the back panel and stuff like that, it was great. Um, so, this is my uh, last question, the first half, and then we dive into the second half where we talk about in detail Trash TV. Sure. <clears throat> what are you playing right now? Oh, um... yeah. There you go. So that's that's what I like to. It gives me a hint. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. But it gives me a hint as to what you're working on next. It doesn't ever, because the amount of times I've had developers say, "Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm playing," you know, FIFA something like what um, <laughs> so i'm playing 
Uh, Battlefield 4, now it's generally patched up to working. It actually um, works now after two years. That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. just about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dota 2 as well. Uh, so playing oh, a lot of those. Dota 2 player. Well, that's quite traditional, isn't it? Well, maybe not Dota. I mean, it's still very much a... I just find MOBAs fascinating. I've actually been working on a feature for a long time now on MOBAs. I find them fascinating uh, and how there's so many of them. Uh, it, was, it was quite interesting that EA was working on one and then they went, you know what? We're going to cut our losses on this. <laughs> not going to do it. What? Because look at Dota and look at League of Legends. How are we going to take any slight, even a slither of that pie? We're yeah. not, are we? No. So let's stop. Because I, I actually played the game they had, and I thought, well, this is just a really pretty version of both of those games, with little tweaks here and there. It's not enough. You know, if you want to do a MOBA, I guess, like, do something slightly different. It's, <laughs> but it's you know, create those clones over the year. What's the thing? What, I mean, how long have you been playing Dota? Do you know? Um... I think it started in the summer. Actually, I've been playing less. I've been watching more of the tournaments, actually. Right. Um, lately. But, yeah, so, I don't know, six months, eight months. All right. So, that's not long, then. So, what do you, what's the thing, as a developer, what, what's the thing? What, why do you think it, it works so well? And it does, in some cases, doesn't work. Uh, Dota, I think um, the thing I really, really like about it is that... For every kind of mechanic in the game, there's one hero that uh, utilizes it in some way. Like, for instance, you know, like half the characters are melee, half of them are ranged, and then there's one in the game who can switch between it. And um, I don't know, for every kind of rule, there's one hero that's the exception to it. Um, and I think that's that's what I really like about it. Okay. And any negative aspect, because my personal as- negative aspect. And you may throw things at me from the- <laughs> But my biggest negative is the overwhelming amount of information that's presented to you when you're upgrading your character with bits and pieces. You know when you're making or crafting some item going, oh, I've got right. time for this! <laughs> <laughs> so that's my negative. This is like that wall of information. Isn't that yeah. kind of a, 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 an anathema in video game land? What do you think of that? Uh, I think they've done good steps to mitigate it. Like, there's, um, you can put guides on. So someone else has just said, like, this is the item you buy first, this is the one you buy second. Um, and while it's not always right for each match, it's, you, you can coast by it on your, like, your first, I don't know, 600 hours or something. <laughs> <laughs> while you're still learning the rest of the, the game. And then you can kind of then start to understand really what the role the items play. But... Um, I think it's a good step they've done. Um, and the fact that it's in, I mean, it is completely free. There's none of, nothing's locked away. And all the stuff you yeah. buy is just, that makes it look prettier. And you can, you can have a completely different interface skin, can't you? And all the sounds can be replaced, apparently. I don't <laughs> so I find that fascinating. Um, but I do have a lot of friends in development and, and in the industry who, yeah, it's just like if all else fails, they'll play play Dota. Um, personally, I'm playing a lot of Elite Dangerous right now. Still flying across the galaxy, <laughs> blowing people up. That game's amazing as regards to a sense of speed. You actually feel like you're hurtling through space. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I would recommend just to watch a video or two. Or you might, I think you might, might have done. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely game, and uh, Frontiers should be proud of what they've done. Um, but yeah, anyway. So that's the end of the first half. There you go, relatively painless. Yeah. And uh, now we go on to the second half of the show where we do indeed talk about trash TV. Zeroth question initially so if you know your Asimov you should know what that means um, it's really um, it's not really a question it's just me giving you the chance to pitch Trash TV to our audience so do tell us <laughs> what is what is Trash TV uh, so my elevator pitch is yeah. you play as a television trapped inside a recycling centre and you have to solve puzzles to escape and you generally you solve every puzzle with a gun somehow and um, it's a platformer, isn't it? Yes, it's a puzzle platformer. So I say that hesitantly, uh, but it genuinely is a platformer. Because um, there yeah. are a lot, of, a lot of platformers out there, but I think there's more to it than just saying it's a platformer. I think it does it a disservice to call it that. Although, you know, it's, it's nice and handy to actually have that lift pitch, as you say, uh, <laughs> to say, look, you know, it is, this, is, this is what it is essentially. But there's much, much more to it. My first proper question then. Yeah. Trash TV seems to revel in momentum centered puzzles. I get that impression that physics and momentum are absolutely vital in understanding the solving of a problem or a puzzle. Uh, you may disagree, but that's my observation. Can you explain how that came about? I think you gave a hint to it early on in the show when you misunderstood my question. But how <laughs> is it really. Could you just tell us how that evolved? Was it always there? Um, no, it wasn't always there. Um, so at, the, at first, uh, Trash TV used to be just a complete remake of Super Crate Box. Mm-hmm. And then as I started adding my own kind of levels and guns to it for fun, uh, I then started to try and make levels that were inspired by other games. Um, so the lighting system came in when I made a Limbo-inspired level. Yes. Um, and then also, uh, I think, if you see like some of the rocket jumping that you can do in the game, that was very much uh, an attempt to try and recreate kind of the feel of uh, Super Meat Boy. Uh-huh. So the game switches up between kind of these kind of more Super Meat Boy type gauntlets uh, that are more kind of platforming based kind of puzzles. Um, and then it tries to have these kind of really head scratching uh, thinker puzzles from Limbo. They're often as well. If you don't solve it right, you die. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Um, <laughs> but what I find is the just that sense of weight. I mean, yes, he's a TV. Of course he's got weight to him, uh, or she, or it. But it's just overwhelming in Trash TV. It's like you really feel like 
he's really, really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> just like he gets bounced around across the room, and like yeah. he just yeah, it doesn't you know if you time it right, has to be done. Uh, I just find I just that was that's what drew me to. I think I think it draws many people to the game, and the fact that they the character the player has a lot of heft to them. Uh, and there's a lot of other game platform games that I've already found it, but they don't have that. There's a little bit floaty, and also <laughs> yeah, they have levels or platforms that are covered in grease. You know, where you sort of yeah. like you, you land on it and then you keep moving. Like, what are you doing? I'm not doing anything. Why am I? Mo- oh, great! <laughs> oh, you you Actually, yeah. I think I know exactly where that comes from. Which is um, originally when I made it. So I mean, because I started it before I finished uni and. Um, I don't know, I've become a much better programmer. But right at the beginning, I made some awful code-like decisions. But one of them was uh, the doors. They I used to have the game was just kind of tile-based, so when a door opened, it just right. removed those tiles. So doors opened instantly. Right. Um, and now in the game, it kind of to hide the fact that doors are instant. Uh, now doors open and slam shut within, like, I don't know, a tenth of a second or something. Yeah, it's like uh, the but, doors in Star Wars. They could really quick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's to cover up the fact the collision box just instantly appears. Um, <laughs> right. But then, when I was showing it to Ricky, he was telling me that like uh, he was talking about kind of rhythm in games and how um, I should maybe try to think of it a bit more like music and that uh, there's a certain pace to a game and that the doors are really fast and all the other animations are really quick because I barely had any in so that. The other actions in the game should be kind of set to that kind of beat. Right. So I think that's why to make the TV um, to get it in that kind of beat, he then he's there's a lot of energy in it. So you know he's really hefting about. He's very heavy, but he still moves quite quick and he stops quite quickly. So yeah. there's a lot of energy being like created and, and expended. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's that's kind of where it comes from. Brilliant. No, that's what I wanted to tease out of you. This is because. It's a key component to the games. What draws me to it? I find it so much fun, even when I'm failing. Like, oh, this is fun. He's gonna die, but in done it in style. <laughs> done it in style. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the precise control in any platform is absolute paramount. And I always say to developers, it sounds really patronising sometimes. But it's like, have you played a Mario game recently? Uh, recently, I've not. you know, have you not? No. And I, 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 it's it's quite a good thing to do. Anyone, just pick anyone. It doesn't matter where in what era. Just pick one. Just play it objectively, and just sit there and not for a few minutes. Just really play it for a good few hours, and you yeah. you get a feeling like, oh, I get it. That's why you know platforming needs to be absolutely precise. That's why it's it's important not to. They're not unfair. You know, if you screw up, it's your fault. It's the player's fault, not because some design quirk that you know you don't want to. That's the worst thing is to have it so that the, the player's fighting mechanics. Um, yeah. And that can happen. So, yeah, that's what I would recommend to any developer budding to look at a video game or making a platformer specifically. Play a Mario game. Just one. Don't, don't care which one. Pick one up. There's loads of them. And, uh, you know, have, have, just have at it. And then you'll, you'll glean something from it. Um, my second question is that I believe there's a dark vein of humour running through Trash TV. <laughs> right. uh, and the other, uh, other TVs that you encounter, bit of a spoiler there, but you do encounter other televisions. Um, then again, you are being in a recycle unit, so it's hardly surprising. 
They seem to be sacrificed to the players' betterment. <laughs> was Trash TV designed around this theme? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't supposed to be. I. The reason why there's so many other TVs that kind of die there is. Um, I wanted to. So, like in one part of the game, you you get packaged up in little cardboard. I mean, uh, wooden crates and transport back to the, the middle of the map. Um, I kind of wanted that to be. Uh, when when that happened to players, they would think of all these wooden boxes they they'd broken. Like, oh, actually, they might have had other TVs inside. That's kind of the idea I wanted to get across with that. But then, um, I don't know, I just started littering the place with other broken TVs. I can't remember what that was for, but... It's just... Yeah, so now the place is... It's just, just try and give it, like, a the kind of limbo kind of aesthetic of um, yeah. the environment being the enemy. Okay. I'll get you. It's just giving it some kind of texture... And giving it rather than to say, "Hey, you're a TV with a gun, knock yourself out." <laughs> right. Yeah, just trying to get some Whereas some atmosphere to the environment. Some atmosphere, in which you do that, and a very dark vein of humour. That, like I said, you're just sacrificing these poor dudes <laughs> for your own progress. <laughs> just so, I mean, because there's a backstory, isn't it? To understand the story is that you're trying to find your remote control. Yeah, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's an easy thing. So it's just the back of the sofa. Nope. No, it's not. It's through those death ray. <laughs> through those thousands of death ray things and that detonator. That's 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 where your remote control is. Not the no, not sofa, no. Would have been a bit of a rubbish game, wouldn't it really? He just yeah. goes over goes you know, gets up, goes over to the sofa, gets the remote. Just not much not much. Um and he he is also um an old telly, isn't he? We'll talk about that later, but he is an old C R T telly uh, of which i have one uh, only for my retro video game systems and stuff because it's all it's got it's got no scar at all it's just got an rf plug at the back that's all it is oh, it's, right. it's, that, <laughs> it's that it's from that era it's this ideal for playing in television and stuff like that because that, that's the kind of tv it likes put it on a modern tv it's going what are you doing <laughs> i can't deal with this um yeah. so i'm going to talk about weapons fire and explosions now because it appears okay. to be component to trash tv and how have you balanced that when designing levels maybe i wanted to rephrase that but i was a bit concerned was intrigued by how you got over the fact that people are just gonna i don't know go all out thinking well the only way to solve this is to kill or destroy everything uh, and found themselves accidentally finishing the level through no skill or challenge for their own how have you managed to prevent that from happening, do you think? Um, well, I think every gun I've put in the game, um, uh, every level is just to try and really explore all the different uh, possibilities of it. Um, so, like, I don't know, the, the rocket launcher that attaches to walls and things to, to rocket jump, um, without spoiling too many puzzles. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, like it can also attach to enemies, so then that has implications on how to solve certain levels. Uh, and you can attach it to crates as well, and you can then throw those crates. And um, I think, uh, yeah, just with every every single gun, there's there's something interesting. And I've tried to like really mine the depth of of every possible situation with each gun. Um, like 
I think quite a good example is uh, the dual submachine guns as well. You know, they, you hold down the trigger and you fire in both directions. So there's several puzzles where actually shooting in two directions is um, definitely not what you want to do. No. Where, Okay. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, you, you, you see my point <laughs> that it could be like, oh, I'm just going to game this. I'm going to yeah, chuck yeah. that there, shoot that, I'm going to do, do a jump, and then maybe just fling myself across the level over all the barriers straight through to the door. Right? Not great. <laughs> you know, oh, but, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, also, it has kind of like a, a little bit of a Metroid uh, aesthetic to it where... Uh, certain guns can solve certain puzzles which unlock new areas. So, yeah, the, definitely the last one you get is, um, or near the last, is the C4, because then if you'd had that earlier, then, yeah, you would have been able to game through a lot of a lot of other puzzles with it. Right. So the order that you unlock is is carefully managed as well to not, um, to not have the ones that can solve every puzzle, okay. you know, at the beginning. So my final question is something we hinted at earlier, is the uh, visual style of mm. the game. It uh, appears that the player is viewing trash TV via a really bulbous and quite frankly <laughs> rubbish CRT TV screen. I mean, it's not, you know, really bulbous. I mean, it's like, it's just all curved. And there's, yeah. very, there's very poor, um, like, scan line. It's probably about, I don't know, 10 that's not, <laughs> but it's, it's 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 you know it's really quite quite poor and um, is that how trash TV came to be with the player experiencing the action of a broken yet sentient television through a CRT was it something you it was quite early on or did it just sort of naturally go oh this would be quite funny to be quite in inverted commas meta <laughs> um, it kind of comes about in two ways yeah. so first it's a little bit of a legacy. Uh, of the fact it used to be exactly Super Crate Box. So there was, I was originally making the game in uh, uh, 4x3. Um, but then also when I started adding puzzles in, uh, I was worried that when I shifted into widescreen, players would see objects that were outside the level um, or, or outside that area and they would get. Uh, kind of confused, or they tried to get to bits that they weren't really supposed to see well, yet. That's right, and it entered into the realms of Zelda. Zelda <laughs> always does that. You're like, see that area there? It's cool, isn't it? Can't go there yet. No, you haven't got the boomerang thing, have you? No. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so you just and, well, so okay. Yeah, and I didn't want the opposite as well, where I might design a level in like sixteen by nine, and then players who are playing it on. Uh, a narrower um, aspect ratio would then not be able to see like a visual cue. Mm. Um, yeah, and then it, it also it fits the thematics well as well. So um, I thought it was a really nice idea. So both mechanically and visually fed into each other. That's what I was trying to get at. With. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Cause that, like I said, when I was at Eurogamer, I really did double take. Like, why have they got a broken arm? Oh. <laughs> Because it does, there's lots of static happening, and you know, like you get the like the spectrum bars come up. Yeah, yeah. And every now and again, you just get distortions, and yeah, I'm a bit broken now. Oh, it's all right. It's back now. It's as if the television was on the brink of death. It's one of those like (laughs) you really should throw me out. I'm not really any good. Why are you using me? Look, you've got that flat screen over there. Stop, stop using me. I'm rubbish. 
So yeah, I really like as well. Uh, anytime there's a really big explosion, it yeah causes a tiny bit of screen tear as well. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, it, it's an antithesis of all the the squeaky, squeaky, squeaky polish we see in every other game, uh, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. But the, let's give an example: the Assassin's Creed thing that happened uh, earlier, uh, late late last year. We had those characters coming up with no faces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after all that, you know, there's hundreds of people, thousands maybe, inputted into the making of that game, and that happens. You know, like, yeah. And whereas everyone was, uh, you know, outraged and running around like heads of chickens, your game celebrates, <laughs> you know, imperfection. It actually embraces imperfection. Going, isn't that weird? Look, it's all breaking. It got loads of screen tear. What are you going to do? Dear Neogaf, please shut up. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just embracing imperfection, and that's great. That's great. I did, uh, I did have someone email me um, saying that I was a bad programmer because I couldn't even support different aspect ratios, which, uh, I don't know, I found that quite, quite funny. Human beings. Some of them shouldn't be anywhere near a keyboard sometimes. That's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, d- I don't know why I do. I always read all the bad comments it gets. Like uh, I did on like the Steam Greenlight page and uh, on reviews and stuff. You can filter just for just the negative, and I always read through all of those. And I don't know half of them are just incomprehensible. Yeah, I think what you could get out of that is the constructive stuff. I'm sure you, you, you there might be something in there. <laughs> one out of a two, one out of five thousand. You go, oh, he's got a point. No, that's a point. <laughs> Yeah, a bit late now, but it's got a point. But uh, yeah, I I feel for your pain. But then again, <laughs> I always say to creators, if you're not willing to put your head above the parapet, then you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. It's going to get yeah. shut off, even by a mis- misguided nonsense. Is going to get you know you're going to get criticised, and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay, you know, it's all right. Uh, it's not a problem. It's just one of those things where anyone, any creative endeavour is going to be criticised. Um, and that's fine. So yeah. it's coming out on the 23rd of February, isn't it? So yes. that's, that's a Monday, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So, and it's on what? Uh, just Hard Steam to... at the moment. No, I mean uh, formats. Uh, PC. Yeah, um, and Linux or uh, not Linux and Mac yet. Um, we will need to see how the port goes for that side of things. I have to say that because I have friends, myself included, who built a Steam box and they want to know. Oh, will it work on there? I don't know. I'll ask. Is <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, Steam box is Linux only? Is that right? It's or it's like a Linux? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hence the question. Uh, and also get picked up. Uh, what do you mean PC? Well, oh, fine. Sorry, sorry. Ten percent people. Uh, no, uh, sorry, just to be sure. Well, my Steam box is a cheat. It's actually got Windows Vista, and then it just boots straight into Steam. So it still does the job, but it means I can play more games on it rather than just twelve. Um, <laughs> yeah. Laurie, thank you, thank you so so much for being on the show. You've been a terrific guest. Thank uh, you. I wish you all the luck in the future and uh, this. Trust TV and your future endeavours, whatever it may be. And uh, welcome to come back on the show with new stuff when that appears. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, Laurie, for your time. 
Yeah, thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory, and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter, at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com bye